And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, I haven't done a Wizards After Dark in how long? How long has it been? I guess a week. I only did one last week because the Wizards didn't play basketball for essentially two weeks. And I figured, screw it. I'm not going to do two Wizards After Darks when they're not playing in one week. But guess what? They're playing basketball again. They're not winning basketball, but they're playing basketball. They played on Sunday. They lost to the Spurs. They kind of sort of had a competitive for the first no, I don't know, 38 minutes of the game or so, and they looked tired, and the Spurs pulled away. They killed them in the fourth. Basically, the exact same thing happened tonight in Houston in the John Wall revenge game, which I have to say was one of the ugliest games you could ever possibly imagine. The Wizards were 39% from the field. They were 19% from three. They had 20 turnovers. It it was it was it was really bad. I mean, it was it was it was really hideous. Uh, I'm going to catch up on Wizard stuff, but I think we're really... I mean, look, they have a game scheduled on Wednesday night. We're recording this thing at 1220 in the morning right now following the Rockets game, and I might even write a little something after this. I'll have to see. So we're just going to talk John Wall stuff because that's what this was about. And And who else would I possibly have on to talk about John Wall than... The same person who's just on all the time now, Ben Standig, once again. Uh, sources say that I need a better agent. <laughs> I know. Sources say you need to learn to say no. That's really what this is. Probably. But look, I mean, here's the reality. I don't know what's going to happen the rest of this season. If we've learned anything from the last year, you can't predict anything. Who knows what's going to happen? But I would argue that at least from a hype standpoint, this is the this is the one seed for the wizard schedule and decent chance it's not topped all year. Not saying like you said, the game was kind of ugly, but from like what it meant, John Wall's first game against his former team and all that. And then what happened kind of as the game progressed and afterwards, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that where, where else am I going to be? If, if I'm going to be on the Wizards podcast this year, this is the one to be on. Yeah, I mean, this it's so sad. That this was what will, I don't know, likely end up being the game of the year. I guess maybe if Wall and Beal really go at it at the, the Houston Wizards game in D.C. in February, maybe that's what it ends up being. But ultimately, I mean, this team is three and ten. They get killed in fourth quarters. They don't defend. Westbrook, I know Westbrook put up numbers tonight, and he did look a little better getting to the rim. He had some good finishes around the rim, but he still just does not look like the same guy and is not carrying an offense. And his, his he's never been a guy with like a Kyrie or Harden type of handle, but he just loses the ball all the time when he tries to get to the rim. So much of his inability to drive by guys is just him not being able to hold on to the ball, even when he doesn't turn it over. It's just his handle is so loose. It's He's never been a handle guy, but it's just been, I don't know, it's just been weird watching him. Um, 
I guess we got to talk about Walt's comments from before the game, from right after the game, from a little longer after the game, right? Like that's where we're leading on this, right? Uh, sure. I mean, um, you know, th- th- there was there was always the one thing about covering John Wall over the years. You never had to worry about him giving you a soundbite, especially when there was a moment. Like he may be on a, you know, when nothing's happening, there's nothing interesting. You know, he he maybe he gives you some generic cliches, but when there's some tension, when he feels some sense of disrespect, whatever, like there's something happening, he's gonna give you something. And uh, hey, he did. Oh, did he? Did he say something? I think so. <laughs> so he told he told Chris Miller at NBC Sports Washington. This was before the game that this game was personal, and. He said that just a little recap in case you missed any or all of this. He he said this game was personal. He he talked about how he felt like the Wizards, the organization, gave up on him by making this trade. And I asked Scott Brooks about those comments. Scott Brooks said he didn't think that was that was true, and that he and the rest of the organization thought that John was doing great in his rehab and 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 said a lot of nice and flattering things about Wall and how excited he is that John is able to come back and, and really be able to play. And, 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 and Wall approached this game with a chip on his shoulder. No question. He was taking so many shots early in the game. His fingerprints were all over the offense. He clearly wanted to come out and play well. And, and he did play pretty well. He, he really controlled the fourth quarter. He, he ended up playing. What did he finish with? So he ended up finishing with, uh, with 24 points and five assists. He shot nine of 21, he made his only three in the fourth quarter. He got off to a hot start. Um, there was so much more than that, though. He told the broadcast after the game. Once again, he thought the organization gave up on him. And I, I want to start with this quote because I thought this was interesting. He said this when he was asked if he spoke with Scott Brooks pregame. This was after the game in his postgame press conference. He said, once I got traded and went to the new team, guys had my guys had my number. I had those guys' numbers. He's talking about guys with the uh, in you know management with the Wizards. And if they wanted to talk to me and reach out to me, they had an opportunity. It's almost two months since that happened, and it is what it is. It's a part of life. It's a part of business. I'm not mad at those guys. Upset with those guys. I know. I see people get traded all the time. It's nothing I could do alone. But I definitely want to leave it in the past. We got this one game out the way. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Until the game's in DC, um, what what's your reaction to hearing that? Because because clearly he says I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's behind me, and then he kind of unloads with this personal stuff that people didn't reach out to me, people didn't talk to me, and obviously there was a verve behind this trade that you know I've harped on the basketball of it because I do think that was the driving factor. But there's verve behind this trade that isn't just basketball stuff. There's there's culture resetting stuff and. You know, there was obviously all the the off-court stuff with Wall over the summer, and he's acknowledged that, and and even Tommy Shepard acknowledged that on Zach Lowe's podcast before the trade actually happened. What what is your reaction to to hearing John say that? Um, yeah, so this is kind of his move historically. You know, it's like a you know uh, the, the the Kareem skyhook. Uh, you know the. Uh, the Dominic Wilkins dunk. This is John Wall's go-to move post-game. He says he doesn't want to talk about something and then proceeds to bring it up and talk about it. 
right? I mean, that's kind of when we all do that. Like when we say we're not mad about something, we keep talking about it. It's obviously some it bothers him, and clearly this is. And this, I'm not, of course, I'm not surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody felt hurt or whatever it may be, if you know, in in, in this way. But with him, like it's it's sort of obvious. Like here's my question, and tell me because I'm you know, as we always, I always have to preface. I'm covering a different team primarily, so I forget things. The way this all went down, all the things happened over the summer with, with, with John, with the with the gang signs in the TV interview and all these things. And then at some point we hear something about that John Wall's been mentioned in a trade. And then we hear something about – or trade talk, whatever. And then we hear John Wall tells the Wizards he wants to get traded. Then they all kind of pretend it didn't happen. And then a few days later he does get traded. Why? I mean, we don't. I mean, do I have that right? And do we actually? We still don't know actually what happened. We can assume things, but nobody's had the definitive tell-all. Here's what went down. What led to the actual everybody wanting him out of here, or him wanting out of here, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of figuring out a lot of this stuff is just kind of piecing together things that we know, but we don't know how much it ultimately affecting things. We can guess. You know, we know that management and ownership was not happy with the gang sign video. We know that. That's true. It's been reported by many people, including our own outlet. But we don't know for sure. People can speculate all they want. We don't know for sure how much that had to do with the trade. Now, John believes that that had to do with the trade. He he very strongly implied it in that interview with Chris Miller that I mentioned. So he believes that. That's his personal truth. I believe he actually believes that. I don't think he's sitting here just spewing stuff he doesn't believe. John will tell you what's on his mind. That is one thing about John that's always true. But we 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 don't know the full truth. I just I can't sit here and say for sure, okay, well, this was 15% because of that, or 20% because of that, and 17% because of something else and so on and so forth. I just, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that because I don't know the answers. I just don't. Um, but it's part of the narrative of it. It's part of the story. I still can contend that the leading reason this bat- this trade got made was because of basketball. And I think when people talk about the wall trade, because there's such emotional factors behind it, I, I think People forget about the actual basketball of it. And and obviously, the way it's looking right now with the way that Russ is playing compared to the way John is playing, things are, you know, John is outplaying Russ so far this season. No question. So, But it was made so because the, they thought it was an upgrade at point guard in a season where they felt like they had to win, you know? Right. So, so it sounds like on some broad level – you agree with the point that Wall thinks he's making, which is to say that they thought he was maybe not done, but they were concerned about his basketball abilities. Thus, that's why they made the trade. That's that that that's like the basic point he's trying to make. Even though I think it seems obvious that he's really making more of a personal point, but from he's trying to say from the basketball perspective, they thought I was done or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they thought he was done. I never I mean, that, heard. Right, you're you're not saying it to that extreme, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I I guess this is the John Wall equivalent of last year when LeBron came out and said everybody said I was washed. People said I was washed. Nobody said you were washed. Nobody said that. 
but maybe people were questioning, is he still really the best player in the world? And to LeBron, that's he hears that and that is interpreted in LeBron's brain as, oh, you're washed. Maybe maybe that this is the John equivalent of that. NBA successful NBA players are remarkably competitive people. And anybody who watched The Last Dance can tell you about how successful, competitive NBA players have this unique ability to be able to take comments or evaluations of their play and interpret them as greater slights than what they are. I believe that John 100% believes what he's saying. And if done is too much of a risk, too much of a health risk, or just flat out not as good as Westbrook, then then I guess, yeah, they did believe that because I think this happened because of basketball reasons. But I, I, I wouldn't go out there and write like they thought he was done. They thought he was finished. I think they just acknowledged that with his injury history, there's a risk there. But But all they talked about leading up to it was that they thought he looked good. That's all I heard from everybody there. That he looked really good during his rehab. I mean, I wrote about that time and time again, and Scott Brooks said it a million times on the record. And I, I get it. People can say different things privately than they can publicly, and you know, efforts to get messages out from an organization can can be organized, and and uh, you know, they can work. But that's all I ever heard. So I don't think they thought like, all right, this guy is never going to be able to play another basketball game again. I don't think they thought that i don't think that's true right i mean like uh, so like yeah for me for like you said sort of sort of trying to read between the lines and sort of figuring out like you know to me the question was sort of the idea of like where is john at uh you know if you were going to trade this is something i think i said at the time but like, if you were going to trade bradley beal and leaving were be john wall and you know rui hachimura denny and then whatever else they get in the beal trade you know so you have a lot of young players and john wall like you know He's coming off the gang sign situation, which, like you said, was a no. Was, was the, the the team found particularly bothersome. I've said before to me, the interview was was what kind of really bothered me more that he that he couldn't focus enough to be you know in that spot. And what is that message potentially sending to these younger guys who are trying to learn? The you league? mean the spades me, game? Yeah, the spades game. Yeah, yeah. And like so, like if you're the you know if you're sort of the team, and then again, this is where I don't know what else is going on. But like if you're the team, I could sort of. Get you're like you know maybe getting tired of sort tired of uh, of that whole situation, but again that's somewhat to agree. i this is what I'm trying to wonder what went down. In any event, he seems you know he clearly took the slight. I get it, especially having been around him for the last decade. Totally, this is exactly what he was gonna what he was gonna do. Um, to but to the other point of it, like the idea of like that nobody he sort of sounded like what that nobody reached out to him, or at least Scott Brooks hasn't reached out to him in the last couple of months. Um, is that right? Do I have that right? So that seemed that seems to be what he's saying. I mean, he was asked if he spoke to Brooks and said hi to him pregame. He said, once I got traded and went to the new team, guys had my number, my phone number. Uh, I have those guys' numbers. And if they wanted to talk to me and reach out to me, they had an opportunity to. It's almost two months since that happened. And it is what it is. I think the implication is they didn't reach out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's the uh, thing. And, and so, so that's where it becomes again, back to the question of what happened. 
even if they, from a basketball perspective, thought he had fallen off, if he's if what he's saying is accurate, you're telling me that no, why would they not reach out to him? I mean, obviously the world has been weird, right, with COVID. So let's not pretend that's not happening. I mean, I know I certainly have sort of changed my habits just to various degrees. So who knows? But just in terms of that, like what he's almost inferring that there was an issue, thus they're not calling yet. <laughs> I don't, you know. He's sort of saying that they thought from a basketball perspective he was was the issue. So is it, it may could be both, but is it one or the other? I, I don't know. Obviously, going round and round, I don't know. But that's what makes it fascinating to try to figure out what's happening. And John gives us enough to uh, to to make us uh, think we we can maybe solve the solve the mystery. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, I don't know who John's talking about here, but I will say this: um, he's not talking about everyone. He's not saying nobody reached out. He right. He and Beal have both talked about how how those guys keep up and they talk. Um, he he ended his press conference listing. I mean, he he said that he still keeps up with pretty much every Wizards game. Praised the hell out of Bradley Beal. Mentioned Thomas Bryant, who he wants to check in on before the injury, and how he and Ish are really close. And he mentioned. Garrison Matthews and and just to show how John is kind of thinking everything of like really how personally he clearly approached this game. I mean, he said and, uh, you know, he's going through the list. He mentions Jerome Robinson. He mentions Garrison Matthews. We're pretty cool. He said, man, he misses me. That was pretty interesting to hear after the game. I told him I wish him the best of luck. Uh, it's just uh, he's he was in full on this game is personal to me mode. And it carried into everything. You could tell. But there are people who have reached out to him. It's not just players. I know there are no people who are in that organization who aren't players, who have spoken to John, who keep in touch with John, who consider John a friend, and who John considers a friend. So he's not saying that nobody with the organization has spoken to him. But, but, Clearly, he's telling us that there are important people who haven't spoken to him. Um, This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Wait, did, did you mention the quote, this quote that he said to Chris Miller before, you know, before the game? Um, I'll just read this really quick here. Quote, just seeing everybody over there, that's just seeing everybody that's over there. A lot of people that's on that side that probably didn't believe I could come back to be the person I am. And probably some people that had a little to say, had a little say so into me being traded. I, I go on. Well, that's all I have in front of me. I was, uh, no, like, I know, but say what you want to say about the quote. Well, I mean, who's he talking about? 
<laughs> had a little say so into me being traded. I mean, that could infer a lot of different people. Um, obviously, Tommy Shepard wouldn't it wouldn't make sense if it would be Tommy Shepard. Of course, he had a little say so. He's the one who's making the decisions. Uh, I mean, Ted Leonsis, I don't know. He obviously would have more than a little say so. I mean, he had to have signed. Yeah, off I mean, John John, John could just be being like glib there too. Sure, he could be anything. I mean, uh, th- th- that's what like, he like for somebody who's saying it's not personal. There's <laughs> a lot of quotes. It's <laughs> there's a lot of quotes. But, but he also said it. it he's saying it's not personal, but he also flatly told Chris. I mean, Chris asked him, "Is it personal?" And he said, "It's personal." So right, he's he's going back and forth. I think with John, I think he was. I John John is an emotional guy, and he's a competitive guy, and he's an incredibly honest guy. He will always say what's on his mind. I always appreciate that in people that I cover. I think it's very hypocritical when journalists knock guys for saying honest things. All we want is for guys to tell us what's on their minds. When we finally cover someone who just tells you what's on their mind, that's a good thing. I enjoy that. I'll take that. Over somebody who just spews out cliche after cliche a million times out of a million. Just a dude who's going to be honest and is going to tell you straight up what he's thinking. I, I, I love covering guys like that. So I think John, in trying to be um, just kind of like cage himself a little bit, you know, I guess hold back a little bit because he, he probably doesn't want to just lay out all of his dirty laundry in the public in front of everybody and is trying to do that when he says it's not personal, but you know, at some point John acts like himself and he says what's on his mind. He just things, things come out. John is just a very upfront and honest dude. Yeah, no, I mean, it's he, yeah, he can't, he can't help himself. I mean, that's that's the nature of who he is. And yeah, I always agree with you. Like the idea when, you know, you know, I'm not going to be a scold when they say stuff, when we want them to say stuff, uh, can't have it. You can't have it both ways. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you on that. Um, I'll just say this since we just mostly talked about the the sideshow on some level, um, you know, one, it was, you know, fun to see him out there. He had some really nice plays that one behind the back drive down the lane was vintage, uh, you know, vintage John Wall, um, you know, and I tweeted this before the game, like, you know, for me personally, um, you know, the first time I was really starting to start, started to cover a team consistently was the Wizards basically, you know, maybe a little before Wall got there, like the, you know, the arenas, but like, you know, primarily in my head, at least sort of from John Wall up and then with Bradley Beal. And so, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, no matter what else happens, like, you know, that's going to be a very important time for me because it was when I kind of learned how to do all this stuff. And, you know, those were the two uh, stars that I was covering for the most part. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of it was a lot of interesting times. It was never it was rarely boring. Um, and, you know, it was fun to watch them develop. And obviously, you know, everything kind of culminated culminated in that Celtic series. And of course, it's also sad that I have to say it like that because, you know, that that was the high watermark and it's been kind of a disaster for the team since. Um, but, you know, it was good to see him back out there. And, um, you know, it was fun to see him against against Brad. I mean, you wrote a, a good story today about like sort of the idea that these guys were, you know, whenever they would sort of go at each other in practice, you know, it was a little more to it than than, than just normal because 
there's always been a sense of a of a budding of a sibling rivalry on some level between them, and and that's what's you know we sort of didn't get into because uh, it's all speculation about like what was going on with the wall build dynamic as people were speculating how much of that if any factor into a trade. Some people would say yes. I I, I don't know, but like, you know that's I mean you know. But CAC, I don't know anything definitively for sure. So that's what that that's what's interesting about it. Also, seeing those guys go head to head, seeing how Brad's game is so developed. You know, he had 33 points. It was not his best shooting night, and still had 33. And John's coming back from the injury, so you know, it was interesting to see those guys go head to head because it was just you know, for the last 10 years, it's just you know, you always kind of wondered, <laughs> you know, kind of what would happen if they did, and then we actually got to see it. Yeah, it, there there wasn't any. There were no fun Beal and Wall moments. I didn't expect contentious Beal and Wall moments. I just expected maybe a couple of fun Beal and Wall moments. Uh, you know, John's the I guess there was kind of one where he stole John stole the ball from Brad and and dunked it on a breakaway. That was early in the game and it was kind of whatever. It was just a normal basketball play. There was no John and Brad drama throughout the game. I mean, I guess the fact that it was just such a bad game. Oh, it was just so poorly played. It, I, I, it just it felt like both teams were down fifteen the whole time. Yeah, you were. No, you're right. I mean, we didn't have like early in the game. Beal was cooking Victor Oladipo a little bit, and I got a couple times. I was like, oh wait, is that Wall? Oh no, it's not. Or you know, like I, I, yeah, I wanted to see when Wall was going up the court. No, no, no. Why is Neto guarding him? Get Beal over here. But uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, fine. Do do we want to discuss the game or do we not care? I don't know if you have anything interesting from the game. You can say whatever you like. Um, well, I just he, I didn't think it was that interesting, and they still are missing six guys in health and safety protocols, and you know they're missing seven guys total with Thomas Bryant out, and I just there's nothing that's kind of standing out to me like crazy to that that's worth delving into that'll be super relevant in a couple of days when I when I record again. But let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so here here's my question. I, I you mentioned before how they have been, um, you know, among their issues, they've been struggling in fourth quarters, blowing leads, you know, falling apart. And obviously, the two games that they've had now since they've come back from the COVID layoff, you know, they've been tight, and then in the fourth quarter, things just fall apart. So I tweeted this. I thought it was a fairly innocuous comment based on reality. Team that doesn't uh, team that didn't play for days and days because of COVID. I couldn't remember how many days, so I just said days and days. Uh, <laughs> didn't play for days and days because of COVID and remained shorthanded. Fell apart in the fourth quarter during consecutive games. Now, because it's a wizard uh, tweet, it's not like I got ratioed in like a real way. But I had eleven likes, three retweets, and fourteen comments. <laughs> and most of the comments were some version of "No more excuses." The game was close when we had opportunities. Nobody could score. Beal has no legs in the fourth quarter because of what Scott Brooks does. Um, you know, they blow people were pointing out that they they were blowing other games this year, even when they were, you know, uh, when they had the team and and things like that. You know, stop with the excuses. And I'm like thinking, like, wait, what? Are we serious? Like, I'm looking. I went to double check the box score just to make sure that I was that I wasn't crazy. This was their starting front court tonight. Robin Lopez, Isak Banga, and Anthony Gill. Okay, Jer- uh, Jordan Bell played 15 minutes. If you if you include Gill, Banga, Bell, and Robinson, n- if everybody's healthy, none of those guys are playing. Maybe Banga, but he was kind of right out of the rotation right before everything kind of fell apart. 
None of those guys are playing normally. They all played at least 15 minutes. Robin Lopez played a season-high 29, and we've already said that Russell Westbrook, two games back from COVID, he did look a little bit better, I thought, tonight, but not Not from the quad, yeah. Yeah, sorry, from the quad, yeah, yeah. Um, That, um, you know, he was a little bit better, but he's still not even close. So Bradley Beal is kind of like the one guy. I mean, even Garrison Matthews, I was overlooking Matthews playing 23 minutes and Neto 22 as if that's a lock that they would even do that on any game. So, I mean, are we really going to say that they're not shorthanded and that they are still just a couple games removed from COVID? You can have that opinion or that you acknowledge that reality and simultaneously say this is a team that what's their record three and ten that 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 isn't that isn't very good that has struggled in games even when they are healthy. These two things can be the same thing. I mean, you can't. It's it's fair to acknowledge they're insanely shorthanded and they're also you know probably still don't completely have their legs back yet because of the layoff. And that's not a Scott Brooks thing, but you can blame Scott Brooks for. Other things that happen when they are full, fully staffed—that's reasonable. I'm just saying. Am I, t- am I wrong with this? No, or- you're not. You're not wrong at all. You're not wrong at all. I just think you're you're uh, you know you're letting you're basically giving rationale to people on Twitter when being rational is not a thing that we need to associate with Twitter. You know, uh, I just you're right. But I, I I understand if the if if someone interprets that as the implication of oh they'll be fine. I mean, you know, there's a pretty well, decent chance I, they're not going to be fine. They have the worst winning percentage in the NBA right now. I think. I mean, it's- I, I always I always like to look at these things as, and this is I kind of th- try to think about this when I write. Sometimes, do I need to every single time I write about Alex Smith? Do I need to write he had 17 surgeries? on the right leg that we everybody knows about, or at some point kind of start going more shorthand, Alex Smith dealing with the leg. You know what I mean? Like, do I have to mention it every time? Do I have to mention every time that the wizards aren't very good? <laughs> like, I mean, the Russ, I mean, I, you know, like most people seem to think that with Russell Westbrook healthy, they could absolutely contend for a playoff spot. Now, of course, then they lose Thomas Bryant, Hachi Moore has been in and out of the lineup with various uh, with various things. They had the pink eye, whatever. Um, you know, like they clearly haven't been good. Do I, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I do I have a, I mean, like, I, I guess I'm just assuming, maybe I'm an idiot, that people are following me on Twitter and to some degree for Wizards thought, ergo they're aware of what I'm saying and therefore know that I don't, or I'm not going, oh, they're going to be a three seed. I like your cat weighing in on this in the background. You've convinced me. You're correct. You don't need to say that the Wizards are good before, or the Wizards aren't good before you say everything. By the way, Garrison Matthews should play 23 minutes a game. Garrison Matthews is defending. He's blowing up screens. He gambles a lot. You know what? Maybe he'll learn how to gamble smarter or gamble a little bit less when he gets past like the 400 minute threshold in, in, in the NBA or something like that. Garrison Matthews is good. That dude has no inhibitions. He will shoot anything. He makes a lot of them. He is getting already getting guys to guard him out to, you know, 25 or 27 feet. He got fouled on another three-pointer today. For some reason, that dude gets fouled on threes all the time, probably because he never lands in the same place that he jumps. He's active. He's the perfect. They should just tie his minutes they should tie him to the hip next to Westbrook, to be honest. 
give give as many shooters around that dude as possible. Lord knows he needs them. So just tie tie him to the hip to Westbrook, or you know at least play the majority of his minutes next to Westbrook. He should keep playing. Everyone could be healthy. Thomas Bryant could miraculously return tomorrow. Turns out didn't tear his ACL or, you know, some some supernatural being touches his knee and it magically heals and he is able to play. He'd come back tomorrow. I I, they could have everybody. I Garrison Matthews should be in the rotation. And you know what? I think he will be. I think he's played his way in. I know he only had three points tonight, but he's he's active. And and I think people there like him. Um. I think I think he's uh I think he's he's the one guy who's had an opportunity to play his way into the rotation. I guess Neto is there too. Him and Neto are the two guys who have had opportunities to play their way into the rotation and have actually capitalized on those opportunities where you've said, Oh, this guy has played his way in. Like Troy Brown had opportunities, he didn't force them. Jerome Robinson hasn't forced them. Bonga, you know, I talk about Bonga all the time, but Bonga hasn't forced them. I think there's a great argument to be made that he should get more minutes than he does when the team is fully healthy. But Bonga, it's not like Bonga has made this overwhelming case for himself. Neto and Garrison Matthews have have done it. When they've gotten opportunities, they've capitalized. Those guys, those guys should keep playing. And you know what? I think yeah, they will. I mean, yeah, I mean, when we talked this about this, you know, whenever that was three weeks ago when Garrett, when Brooks finally used Matthews in some big blowout. And then he was like, I should probably use him early. And we had all been like, yeah, oh, yeah oh, yes, of course, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. And uh, I think one of the things we discussed was that he plays with like his, he plays with like a level of urgency, whereas Troy Brown comes across as more passive. And I think for Scott Brooks, it doesn't work. And I think in general, like this team needs a little more oomph. So yeah, I, I agree. I just, I was a little noting from the standpoint of, if we're, I'm not just like Garrison Matthews playing 23 minutes is notable. It isn't just assumed. And so I'm saying like if we're going to discuss where this team is at, that I'm not just you know Garrison Matthews playing 23 minutes. Even if you and I are saying that's what it should be happening, it's still it's a new it's a relatively new thing. It isn't uh, you know a, a guy who, who's in the rotation you know from the start of the season. So that's all. Um, yes, for sure. Know, and and by the way, it's like these are you said 15 minutes because Jordan Bell played 15 minutes, but like Bonga played 26. Anthony Gill played 22. Um, Jerome Robinson played 30. And by the way, like Robin Lopez, like he played 29 a season high. He was gassed by the third quarter. Like he was like bent over. They were going to one timeout. He was like double over, which, you know, I get it. Like if they were, uh, I mean, the, the TV broadcast was noting that Alex Len didn't play much. Um, I don't know if they ever said why other than Houston was going small. I don't know. But uh, maybe I missed that. But um but yeah, I mean, Robin Lopez was 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 gassed, and you know, again, I mean, that's that's not an excuse, um, but that's just this is where they're at. Like, what are they? You know, where are they where are they going? <laughs> Jordan Bell wasn't even in the NBA um, last week. Jordan Bell had his moments for about three minutes. He took a charge, he blocked a three pointer, then he made some weird decisions offensively, and and he fell off. Anything else we got? Is there anything else you? I know. I know you said you had a secret topic for me. No, that was that was that that was it. The uh, oh, I was expecting was, something spicier than that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's almost one o'clock on a school night. Uh, <laughs> uh, spicy went out the door about three hours ago. 
<laughs> All right. Well, you got anything to plug before we wrap this one up? Uh, football team, football team wrote about maybe they get Matthew Stafford or what it would cost. That'll be a thing. And uh, if I don't know if you're into the football, I have a podcast. I mostly talk about football standard room only podcast. I had Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean on the other day. Fred, take that. Uh, Pretty good. So you can check you can check that out. Pretty good. Uh, listen to standard room only. You should do that. If you like Ben on this podcast, you'll like him on that one, especially if you're a football and, fan. And I'm hoping I should. I'm not going to say, but I'm hoping I'm going to have a fun Wizards guest this week. I'm hoping. Mm. It's a good plug. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you're not already a subscriber, you can do it anywhere you're listening to podcasts. And I'm willing to bet you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark wherever you are currently listening to this episode. Uh, If you enjoy the show, you can go on iTunes. You can give us a five-star review. You can leave a written review. Those always help a lot. If you want to read my work or read Ben's work or read David Aldridge's work or read anything else. I mean, The Athletic has incredible, incredible sports coverage. I work with some just amazing sports writers, and that's not just NBA. That's MLB, NFL, whatever else. If you want to sign up, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. $4 a month is totally worth the subscription. That's in my totally non-biased opinion. But I will say, I was a subscriber before I worked for The Athletic, and I think it's totally worth it. And if you want to sign up $4 a month and just get incredible sports coverage across all platforms, this does not just get you a subscription for you know, me or for Ben or for DC or whatever. This is everything. This is NBA, NFL, MLB, WNBA, everything else. You can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and sign up there and get your full subscription at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. I'm going to record a second episode this week. I'll be back sometime later in the week. I don't know, maybe a Thursday episode, maybe a Friday episode. Maybe I'll do one for the weekend, but I'll be back with with another one at some point. And you know what, Ben, I might kick you off. I might, I might just give you a rest since you definitely have the hidden, you have like a DiMaggio-like streak going right now with consecutive podcast appearances. So I, I got to give you a break. Load management. I do feel like Robin. I just got do start. I am feeling kind of like Robin Lopez <laughs> in the third quarter. So, yeah, load management for standing. I'm gonna get another guest for, for, uh, for later in the week. But still, listen. Even though no one's as good as Ben, right? But I will have another guest. I'll be back next week. I'll talk or not next week, man. You know what? I messed up my outro, Ben. Leave it in. I'll be back later this week, and I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.